Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad you're here and glad that you're a part of CCC. Uh, I haven't told you in a while, but I want to tell you one more time in 2019 how much I love you guys and love this place and love being a part of this church. Welcome those of you over in East Hall, and those of you who are tuning in, uh, welcome. It's almost Christmas and I do hope you are ready but not just ready with the presents and everything. I hope you are ready to celebrate a Savior who has come for you. And that's why we do Christmas Eve services, so do not miss Tuesday. Uh, don't worry about what venue you come to. They will all be great. I promise. All right? All right I get to share some just because stories right now. Uh, we have been blanketing Northeast Ohio with 10,000 acts of kindness and generosity. And then we hand people a card that looks like this, and it says, just because on the back, there's a website that somebody can tell their story, and then I get to read some of the stories to you. Uh, here are the stories for today. This is from a mom of three in Stowe. Uh, she says, I'm actually a member of CCC and have been for years. Every Christmas, I try and do at least one or two just because cards. I'm a mother of three and unfortunately do not have a lot to give but still like to do some kind of acts each year. The other day, I went to get my kids from school and was surprised when I returned to my van and found a small gift bag on my windshield. Inside was a gift card to Chuck E. Cheese and Starbucks and a Just Because card. I was and am very grateful. I work three jobs and drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I also am looking forward to being home with my kids starting next week, and now I can have a fun day with them. Thanks to whoever you are. It was and is greatly appreciated. Okay, this is uh, from somebody in Cogga Falls. It says, we had just left the doctors where we'd gotten disappointing news. We were tired and frustrated and started talking about how we were gonna pay for the recent car repairs. We got home to find an envelope with the money we needed, yet no one even knew about the car. It had a note saying, you are so loved, and a just because card. Whoever you are, you will never know how very much you touched our family today. Right, this is from Logan in Stowe. He says, I was eating at the Stowe Cafe, which I do sometimes on my break from work, and this gorgeous waitress <laughs> gave me $20 in my Just Because card. So if you're a waitress at the Stowe Cafe, <laughs> I have Logan's contact information. For it. All right. <laughs> This story came in this morning, all right, and I have to read it to you. This is the story, it's from a woman, and it says, I've been battling a drinking problem and have been very depressed this year. I was at your church once before earlier this year for an AA meeting and recalled how beautiful it was and that I needed to get back in touch with my faith. AA did not work for me and I was drinking heavier I was at the grocery store and found this card in my cart. When I went to check out, it had a $20 bill attached. I was so touched by the message 
and felt this was clearly a sign from God. I wanted to pay it forward, so I gave the $20 to Salvation Army on the way out. I attended my first service at CCC Hudson on Saturday and felt touched by the Spirit. I really feel that Jesus can heal me. Thank you to the angel who left me the card. That woman was here last night for the very first time. So do not miss the opportunities that God gives you. So grab some cards. There are a few days left. Who knows? Who knows how God's going to use it? All right? So thanks for blanketing Northeast Ohio with these acts of kindness. All right. This morning we get to look at a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorite Christmas passages in the whole Bible. Maybe it's one of yours too. I was looking in my files this past week and realized that I have preached 20 Advent series. An Advent series is usually the four weeks before Christmas, and then with Christmas Eve, it's five. So that means I have preached 100 Christmas messages. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a retired pastor a few weeks ago, and he said he used to hate having to come up with a different Christmas message each year because it was hard to find a different angle. But I, I kind of like it because I feel like I learn something new each year. I hope you do too. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read the famous and well-known passage about the angels appearing to the shepherds in the field. As I read this passage, I'm going to make some comments as we go through, and then I'm going to give you the three points I want to cover today. All right, this is uh, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. I'll read to verse 20. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. All right, let me stop there. When it says in the same region, it means that it was the same region as Bethlehem, which is also the same region as Jerusalem, because Bethlehem and Jerusalem were only six miles apart. So Jerusalem was closer to Bethlehem than we are to Cauga Falls or to Twinsburg or to Aurora. It was like a bedroom community. There were lots of important people in Jerusalem. There were Roman officials, there were religious leaders, there were celebrities, there were business owners, there were community leaders, there were all kinds of important people. But this is a story about shepherds. And shepherds were so low on the social ladder, they weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law because no one would take them seriously. And it's to, it's to shepherds that the angels appeared. Now, I have to say this, and I usually say this at Easter, but if you're here and you happen to be a little bit cynical about the Bible, first, I'm really glad you're here, but I want you to know that in any story of the Bible, you have two options, especially these important stories. Either someone made it up or it's true. And so I, I'm always encouraging people to look at these stories and ask yourself, is this the way I would make up the story if I could make it up? And I don't think you'd make it up like this. I don't think you'd have the Son of God being born and the announcement coming to people that no one would believe. Instead, you would have all these important people in Jerusalem that you could have the angels appear to. And you would only write it like this if this is the way it really happened. And I love that. It goes on, verse, 10, or verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. I love this story because it starts with fear and moves to joy. And I think that's a journey that every human being loves to take. 
I mean, we are built for that, to go from fear to joy. It's why we built roller coasters. Right? It's why we have haunted houses. It's why we watch scary movies. There's something inside of us where our hearts want to move from fear to joy. And I think it comes from this. And then it goes on. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's my favorite verse in this passage. Because good news is good news for everyone. It's good news for the one who gives the news. It's good news for the one who receives that news. And that's something we need to remember as we tell people about Jesus. And then it says, So the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Four times the angel says, you. So you wouldn't miss it. This is good news, not for them, but for you. Whoever you are, this is for you. And then the angel gives them a hint for the scavenger hunt they're about to go on to try to narrow down their search. He says, this will be a sign for you. Look for the baby that's in the feeding trough because that's what a manger is. And then it says this, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That must have been just amazing. To have an, an angelic choir all of a sudden burst into song all around you. A lot of us were able to go to the Christmas concerts here. Amazing Christmas concerts. Great job. Doesn't hold a candle to what the shepherds experienced. A single note from these angels would be powerful enough to break your heart and dissolve you into tears or take you to a place of joy that you scarcely can imagine. The shepherds heard what music was made to do. And then it goes on. And it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Up until that time, up until that moment when the shepherds burst into the stable or the barn or whatever, it was a normal baby's birth. I mean, it was with contractions and screaming and you know, a baby coming out covered with blood and them trying to wash off the baby and clean up Mary with a bucket of water and rags because, of course, there was no running water. And they were trying to keep the dust from the hay from getting all over the baby and all over Mary. And then the shepherds came in. And the shepherds came in to tell them what they just experienced. And they all stopped with wonder because the shepherds were explaining why they had barged into this makeshift maternity ward in a stable to let them know that there was nothing normal about this baby. And then it says, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary did what all mothers do. She took what she was experiencing and she locked it up in a place where she would always remember it. So years later, 
She could tell her baby boy, she could say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you want to hear the story of the night you were born? And he would look up at Mary and say, yes, mama, I love that story. And then verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word, and it is wonderful. All right. This is part of a series that we are calling the most famous story. It's our last series of a year where our theme has been to make Jesus famous. And I call this the most famous story because it is the most famous story in the whole history of the world. And I say that, and my evidence for that is that this year we call 2019, and we call this year 2019 because of this story. And it's 2019, not just in America, but in every continent on the face of the earth. They call this year 2019 because of this story. And so we started by saying in the first week, Jesus famous in heaven, who Jesus is. Last week, famous on earth, that Jesus came to make God knowable. And then this week, uh, Jesus is made famous through you. Made famous through you. And I want to take this story of the shepherds and kind of ask three questions on how Jesus can be made famous through you and through me. All right, the first question is, who are you? Who are you? The second question is, what's the message? What's the message? And the third question is, how do you tell it? How do you tell this message in a way that makes Jesus famous? All right, first, who are you? If you are here today or you are watching this, or you are listening to this, it means that you are one of two kinds of people. You are either a shepherd, or you have been hearing from a shepherd. And this is what I mean. This is the most amazing story of a birth of a baby ever. This is God making himself known, God coming. And he does it in spectacular fashion right out to some shepherds who are keeping watch over their sheep, and all of a sudden, angels and light, a light show that was like no other, and music and a choir. It must have been absolutely amazing. God making himself known, using angels to do it. It's the way all of us want God to make himself known. I mean, all of us long for God to do something in our lives that's so spectacular that it's unmistakably God. There is no way the shepherds walked away from that night going, I don't know if that was God or not. Right? They knew it was God. We all want that. I was talking to uh, a medical doctor a few years ago. I must have met with him eight or ten times. Right? He was begging, he was searching, he was begging for God to make himself obvious. This guy wanted God to do something spectacular. He wanted the show. He needed the show. And all he got was me. Right? And that's the way it is for most of us. And almost all of us hear about Jesus from someone we know. And that means two things. The first thing that means is if you are here and you are not a Christian, it means that God has probably put a shepherd in your life. Because what happened here, let's say this thing with the shepherds happened on a Tuesday night. How many people in Bethlehem knew by Wednesday afternoon this story? A ton, a bunch. 
Right? And a lot of those people, probably, some of them probably went out to the field to see if the grass was scorched from the angels, at least, you know, as if angels leave a trace. Some of them might have camped out there for several nights hoping that they would get the show. They did not get the show. The people in Bethlehem didn't get the show. They only got the shepherds with the story of Jesus. So if you're here and you are not a Christian, you may be wanting God to do something spectacular to make himself obvious, but what he has given you is a shepherd, somebody who has brought you here. It might be a family member, it might be a neighbor, it might be a friend or a coworker, but somebody has brought you in hopes that you will come and see Jesus. And one of the mistakes that you can make is probably the mistake that people made in Bethlehem is that when the shepherds came to say, this is what's happened. Look, Jesus said, there's been a savior born for you. This is the news. They looked at the shepherds and they were going, who are you to tell me about God? Because the shepherds were probably hot messes, right? They were probably not the kind of people you'd expect to hear from God. But that might be your friend and you're looking at your friend or the person who's brought you here. And you're making the mistake of looking at the messenger instead of who the messenger is pointing to because your friend or your neighbor who has brought you is trying to point you to Jesus so that you will see him, so you will know him. That's one thing that means. The second thing it means is that if you are here and you are a Christian, then you should be doing what the shepherds did. I should be doing what the shepherds did, right? Which is to tell people what you know about Jesus. You don't have to know everything about Jesus. You don't have to be able to answer every question about Christianity, but we should be telling people what we knew. The shepherds hardly knew anything, but they told people what they knew. And when they came back to Bethlehem, how did they feel? Well, this is, we know from verse 20, this is what it says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They were filled with joy was just astonishment. They were praising God. There was something about the way they told people that made people want to hear more. And this is the truth. And some of you who are Christians uh, have kind of lost your joy. You have lost the sense of wonder and astonishment that God has sent you a Savior. And some of you may have been Christians for a long time, but instead of being filled with joy, something has happened. And now you are kind of negative and you are critical and you are anything but joyful. And I want you to get that joy back. I don't know if the shepherds ever lost that sense of wonder. I hope not. In my mind's eye, I think of them as 20 and 30 years down the road, sitting around with their grandchildren and their grandkids looking up at them and saying, tell us, tell us, Grandpa, tell us the story again of how you met Jesus. And it would become the, the central story of that clan, of that whole clan, what that man had experienced when he met Jesus. That's what I want. In 1978, in a Volkswagen Beetle traveling from Tampa, Florida to Orlando, I tried to pray for the first time in a long time. I had been on a moral freefall for a year, my freshman year in college. And I didn't even know exactly what to say to God, but the only thing I said was this, can I come home? Can I please just come home? And in, a, in that moment, I was filled with a sense of such 
love and such grace and such forgiveness that I made a decision right then and there to spend the rest of my life trying to introduce people to this Jesus who would welcome you home if only you would ask. I want to tell and retell that story. I want that story to be the central story of my clan from now on. Right? Because I don't want to lose track of that story in the midst of frustrations and disappointments and rough years. I want to remember that story. So who are you? You are either a shepherd who knows the forgiveness of Jesus and you have felt it and experienced it. And if you are that, then don't miss the joy. Or you are somebody who has been brought here by a shepherd. And instead of looking for a God to do something spectacular, look at the message that your shepherd is trying to point you to. And that brings me to the second question. What's the message? What's the message? This is verse 10 through 14. It says this. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There are several parts to this message, and all of it is good news. The angels say, you have, a, you have a Savior, that's good news. And then the angels say, that Savior has come to do a couple of things, to give peace on earth, and then in the old King James, goodwill toward men. And of course, the $64,000 question is, what does that mean exactly? When the angel says that the Savior is capable of bringing peace on earth, what's he talking about? He's talking about peace between God and you. And if he's talking about peace between God and you, the angel must be saying that there has been a conflict between God and you. That there's been a fight, that there's been a separation. And the reason that there's been a separation between God and you is that every single human being has wanted God's job. You have, I have. Every human being, it starts at about two years old, right? We call them the terrible twos. It's the first time that a little human being says, I wanna control my world. I wanna be in charge. And the problem with the terrible twos is that they turn into the terrible threes and fours and tens and twenties, thirties and forties, right? It just keeps going. And if you think, you know what, I've never wanted God's job, you should probably read some of Jesus' sermons because he talks about it in a way that you might recognize yourself. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus tells us about why we worry, why we are full of anxiety. If you have ever worried, you should read Matthew chapter 6, because Jesus says, this is the reason you worry. Why He says, why do you worry about what you eat or what you wear? Why do you even worry about how long you live? The reason you worry about that is that you were trying to take a job that's not your job. That's God's job. It goes on to talk about bitterness and anger. Why is it so hard for you to let go of things that have hurt you or people who have hurt you? Jesus says, the reason you find it so hard to let go of things that have hurt you because you're trying to do God's job. That's not your job. You know, Zach talked about it a few weeks ago. 
that Jesus connects trust and obedience, that every time we have chosen to do something that God says we shouldn't do, every time we have chosen not to do something that God says that we should do, we are in this wrestling match with God where we're saying to God, I know you think you're God, but not for me. Not for me. I do what I want to do. And it can be in any part of your life. It can be a part of your life of your, your sexuality. And, and, and God could say, this is what I want. And you say, yeah, I know, but this is what I want. It can be about how you spend your time, whether you serve or not, how much you give. All of that, you know different things where God is saying, I want you to do this. And you say, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. And what the angel says is that that causes this conflict, this chasm. And the only way that chasm is going to be reconciled is if God opens the door, and he opens the door through Jesus. But this is what's interesting. In verse 15, the angels say that, hey, peace on earth can come. But then verse 15 says this, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What happens is that they, they hear from the angels that peace can happen between you and God, but in order to get that peace, they have to go find Jesus. They have to go find Jesus because it's Jesus is the one who can bring peace, who can reconcile them to God. He does that in the story of how he grows up and he lives the life that you should have lived, that I should have lived. Perfect obedience to God, perfect trust of God. Then he makes this sacrifice to pay for a lifetime of treason that you and I have lived with, with rebellion against the only true king of the universe. And then Jesus rises from the dead to prove that he has the power to do that. And then through that, he says he reconciles you to the living God. And that's what the angels declared to the shepherds, that you have this Savior who can do that for you. And that's what every Christmas carol is about. As you sing, like the rest of this day, as you sing on Christmas Eve, look at the words. All the words have to do with this Savior who has come, who has the power to reconcile you, who is the true king that you need and want. Right? So that's who, that's who you are. That's the message. Now we get to how you tell that message. How you tell that message. I always think that the shepherds must have been like little bombs going off in Bethlehem. Like in concentric circles. They must have gone and found their family first and told them the story of what had happened. And then they grabbed their extended family and then their friends and their neighbors and associates. And then anyone in Bethlehem who would come up to them and say, listen, I heard something happen to you. Tell me what happened. Tell me the story. And they would tell the story. I have a friend named Sanj. And when he came into a relationship with Jesus in this community, it was like a bomb going off. The first person he told was his wife. And then his family, and then his extended family, and then his friends, and his neighbors, and his associates. And then anyone who would come up to him and say, Sanj, something happened to you. Tell me what happened. He would tell them about Jesus. That's who. But how do we tell the story? How do we tell it in a way that makes people stop and say, that can happen to me too. I need that. Who is this Jesus? Well, the shepherds when they told their story 
this story, they must have done so with such joy and such astonishment. Because when they went into Bethlehem and they said, listen, angels appeared to us, the people must have gone, wait, wait, wait. Why would angels, why would God send angels to you to tell you this message? And the shepherds must have gone, I don't know. It's crazy. Me of all people, God has shown himself to me. There's a reason that God chose the shepherds and not religious leaders. Because if he went to religious leaders and sent the angels to them, the religious leaders probably would have said, of course. Of course God wants to show us. Of course God wants relationship with us. We are good people. We are moral people, but not the shepherds. The shepherds knew they were a mess. Listen, this is the truth. It's only good news that you have a Savior if you know you need a Savior. It's only good news that you have a Savior if you know you need a Savior. The shepherds know. Okay, it's, it's only good news. If I come to you today after the service and say, I have good news for you, I'm ready to give you one of my kidneys. It's only good news if you know you need a kidney. If you don't know you need a kidney, it's going to seem like a very awkward conversation. <laughs> but if you know you need a kidney, and I say to you, I will give you my kidney, you will wrap your arms around me and say, I can't believe you would do that for me. I can't believe you'd do that for me. Listen, this is one of my favorite all-time Christmas passages because it's a message for everyone. If you are here and you are a Christian, that means you have recognized your need for a Savior. It means you have wrapped your arms around Jesus and you have said to him, I can't believe that you would do that for me, for even me. If that's you, do not lose the joy, not this Christmas. But if you're here and you are not a Christian, and you are waiting for God to do something spectacular to prove that he is God to you, what's wild is that he has sent you a shepherd who has invited you, it might be a friend or a neighbor or a family member, who's just begging you to come and see in hopes that you will recognize the truth of what the angels said, because this is true. I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you, not them, not just us, but to you, is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I hope you know him. If you do not know him, I hope you will get to know him this Christmas. The most famous story the world has ever heard can be your story. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending us Jesus. It is incredible that you decided to show us, even us, to bring us to you, to reconcile us to you through your son, Jesus. I pray that every person here will experience what it means to have a savior. I pray that we will be filled with joy this Christmas because of all you have done. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.